Hi everyone, I'm Himesh Joshi, founder and CEO at IU Health. If you have ever admitted a loved one to a hospital, then you would surely realize how chaotic and overwhelming the whole process is. IU Health is a startup on a mission to fundamentally disrupt the patient experience at hospitals by using transparency and tech. In this episode of the Founder Thesis Podcast, your host Akshay Dutt talks to Himesh Joshi, the founder of IU Health. Himesh is a serial founder whose first venture was in the used goods segment, and he raised almost $20 million for it before settling for an acquisition by Quicker. In this candid conversation, he shares his journey as a first-time founder, what he learned from it and how it changed his approach in his next venture. Stay tuned and subscribe to the Founder Thesis podcast on any audio streaming platform to hear lessons from serial entrepreneurs on selecting the right problem and building for scale. Where did you grow up? I, I grew up in Rajasthan. Mm. Uh, so I was born in Ajmer. And then my father was you know, in a bank, so we keep moving around. Most kids in, in Rajasthan back then, I went to Kota. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I failed the first time. So I, I actually dropped. I spent three years in Kota, right? Okay. Two years. Okay. And, and I was in, uh, like, I was expecting to get top 200, 300. I, like, I, was, <laughs> I, 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 would, I would school when I was ranked pretty high. And then I, I sort of spent one more year over there, and that year was relatively easier. Mm. Uh, I did get in eventually uh, mm. a pretty good rank. So, mm. did you have like a you know cultural assimilation challenge joining IIT Bombay, having lived Not a really. small town life? So, so the, the IIT culture was very different mm. Uh, mm. And, and different in a good way. But it was new for everyone. So everyone was getting adjusted to it. And IIT Bombay is one of the, or at least in my time, I, I don't know how it is today. But in my mm. time, it was one of the nicer campuses for for freshmen. Like there was mm. almost zero ragging. Uh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. were very friendly. Uh, the hostel culture was, was in fact, it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. So it was fun. And what did you choose as a career? Like once you finished your engineering, uh, so I got into managing consulting. I worked that for two years in India. I spent a year in New York as well. Okay. Uh, I think management consulting attracted me at that point because I felt it was a good way to get to know the world. Right? Like you, you do mm-hmm. a lot of things. You uh, have Pretty good exposure. Yeah. Uh, so in that sense, it worked out well. Uh, yeah. But I will be honest, and you know, I I won't say that it was a very thought thought through decision. It was just the the cool job to get. Yeah. And I had a pre placement yeah. offer, so I was allowed to sit only for two companies, and the only two I sat for were yeah. the top two consulting firms yeah. because yeah. you know I didn't even think if the third one was worth being yeah. on that yeah. list. Yeah. Okay. So, so, uh, yeah. so yeah, I been that two years, and I think yeah. then. Once I got in, I started, started thinking, okay, what next, right? Like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. let's, mm-hmm. Uh, let's break free on that mold. And uh, mm-hmm. I think that's probably when I, for the first time, did something that was not expected, right? So, uh, in, at that point, most of my batch was getting into private equity or venture capital after a year and a half, two years at consulting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't even apply. I mean, I applied to one place and I just did do because I said, I don't want to do mm-hmm. this. Right? I know I want to do something else. And uh, I was lucky to get an opportunity to move to New York at that okay. mm. which I felt was an interesting thing at that point because uh, you know I would get exposure to a different environment, and I also was never re- really sold on the idea of an MBA. So I came back, 
and uh, by then i had had enough of consulting as well mm-hmm. so that was when i started thinking uh, let's let's do something else and and at that point what attracted was ki let's do something of our own so that was not just me them they were by then uh, i had uh, my other co-founders who continue to be my co-founders today okay uh, as when they were when uh, we IC friends or uh, you might never be say so there were four of us uh, when we started my previous venture um, three out of the four now are co-founders at iu hill uh, so out of the four two were friends uh, from bcg we were part of the same cohort okay. uh, mm-hmm. and then uh, arjit who's uh, my co-founder today as well uh, is a friend from school like so friend from kota but okay. he realized then that we were from the same town he, he mm-hmm. went to boarding school so we never mm-hmm. were in the same school but we were from under right? and what are the odds of that yeah, so, yeah. when we started thinking we wanted to start a obviously there were these three consultants but we wanted a guy who understood tech and arjit was the one i called up he okay. also was at that point looking to do something of his own he had uh, he had been in amazon picard adobe so he had done the usual stuff so and he was looking for something different so fortunately for us he felt excited about what we wanted to do so uh, and that's how we got together i mean was it an idea first or was it like less to entrepreneurship and it was an act we were all clear that we wanted to do something of our own and actually uh, uh, rohit and uh, and karan who were the other two co-founders had were actually working at venture capital Okay. okay, they had also seen this up close, and to twenty fifteen was still early days. I would say, right? Like mm-hmm. starting up was not as common, and the ecosystem was still fairly nascent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they had also seen a lot of companies from close quarters, and this was when, you know, like, say, companies like Big Basket was just beginning to start, and and Rohit had been an investor over there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, we got excited about that. I, I think we we felt. this is a good time for us to try something of our own we were all fairly young we were not looking to get married for a while yeah. uh, we had all made decent money so we could take a risk and uh, that is what sort of got us together uh, and then we as you said we were we had a very analytical approach like all consultants and yeah. said, chalo let's let's scouts the world for for what we think is an interesting idea tell me like uh, you know the 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 zero to one process of from wanting to be entrepreneurs to actually launching something so i i think that that conversation lasted for almost a year it like so uh, say 6 months into my new york stint i was clear i want to do something of my own like the rest of the folks were also beginning to to arrive in the same conclusion so we had started talking and we were deliberating on a bunch of ideas eventually mm-hmm. what got us excited was uh, e-commerce for used goods the thesis at that point was that india had gotten used to buying online right? like in the us you have ebay you have craigslist Which is, mm, mm, which mm. is actually the number one right. platform. Right. At that point, was number one. Mm. And uh, the difference that he felt was, and India also had OLX and Quicker at that point. Right? So yeah, and also yeah. become mm. largish. Mm. But the difference that we felt was that India was inherently a low trust market. So mm. the pure classified model would not work here, and that is something that reflected when we spoke with users as well. That how do I trust someone who has put up a TV for sale saying the TV works? Mm. Or if I buy it, I bring it to my home, and after two days. Mm. It just stops working, right? Right, and and that and that happens as well. And then if you're going to call them that guy and say, "Oh, sorry, I want to give it back," there's no way you can do that. Mm. So, mm. because India is a low trust market, if you look at all used goods categories, uh, the dominant players are the ones who own the transaction, right? Uh, mm. So, so we felt that therefore the the pure classified model won't work in India. So mm. our approach was that we will take ownership of inventory. So if you are, if you want to. buy a used sofa you will buy it from us right so we would have bought that sofa from a user or from mm-hmm. a business that was looking to sell end of life inventory or surplus stock mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And then we are putting our marker, you know, we're putting our warranty on the product. We are put, we're giving you a return window. We're giving you, you know, refurbished Oh yeah. Everything that you expect with an e-commerce mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. But obviously the price here is half of what it will cost mm-hmm. to buy a new product. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that we said was an interesting model. Obviously it was a little complex operationally because mm-hmm. you didn't have to own inventory. You need to have the refurbishment centers, but Mm. The margins kind of justified that, and we felt that it was fairly. While it was a lot of work, it was not a lot of different work for different categories. So you you mm-hmm. had this playbook that you had to put in place, and then you just do the same mm-hmm. thing again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, okay. so that's what we did. We started off with furniture because that is that is what we felt was the highest friction category because furniture is also difficult to carry around. Right. If you want to buy a sofa, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. even more difficult. Right. So you might still trust me. Okay, the sofa is good, but how do I even get it to my house? Uh, mm-hmm. So there's a logistical problem as well. So we felt that was a category where the problems were uh, more pronounced than the other mm-hmm. categories. And we eventually got into large appliances, then into TVs, then into mobile phones as mm-hmm. well. What was your uh, MVP? Like your MVP must have been a website with some logistics integration or like? Yeah, so logistics were our own. So it oh, was okay. essentially uh, just uh, that integrating logistics was not so easy that time. It didn't exist at that point. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. You yeah. have the ship rockets <laughs> on the world. <laughs> uh, so right. you had to do everything right. yourself. Uh, so we, the first delivery people were a core team. Like I was, uh, I delivered probably the first hundred orders myself. Uh, 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 so we would sit in a truck and go around the city all day. Uh, but yeah, the first product was just a website. And interestingly, uh, so we, we launched the website with, Hundred odd products. I remember mm-hmm. uh, we were. So our office was inside a warehouse, taking a small warehouse in Sardarpur Road mm-hmm. uh, in Mangalore, and uh, we basically constructed a small cabin over there. And it was just a ten of us, so mm-hmm. we had a small meeting room and, uh, and an open area to work on. Mm-hmm. So this was. I, I remember very clearly. This was around 10, 11 in the night. We we took the website live, and we were all very excited. Chalo, this is live. Obviously, we we were not expecting any orders because nobody mm-hmm. knew that this website existed. Yeah, and then yeah. one of my co-founders posted the link of this website on a Facebook group. Okay. Like, uh, would transact and use goods. Yeah. And suddenly you start getting orders. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, right. it's like that eureka moment where you think, okay, this yeah. thing has value. So yeah. Yeah. we were like, I remember we were all walking out of the warehouse. We were just going to shutter it down and we would do all of this ourselves. We had no security. Yeah. Right. Right. And then we just got so excited. There was a maid lying around and we all just sat on it. <laughs> and then we think, okay, five orders, six orders. Yeah. Basically, I was coming. How do I deliver these two orders? Yeah. Oh, we yeah. had one truck. Okay. One, and these are all made from various parts of Bangalore. So, obviously, yeah. that was a good problem to have. We, we were able to deliver those. But, so, uh, you know, based on conversations with other founders, uh, my understanding is that used goods, e commerce is uh, more about finding supply than finding demand. Because India yeah, is cost conscious, so demand exists if you find good supply. So, yeah. uh, how did you, when you listed hundred products, how did you source those hundred products? And uh, you so know, these that... are all bought. These are all bought from users, uh, and mm-hmm. these were bought from OLX. So we ah, okay. Okay. on, on okay. existing platform. So we would call them up. We will go and visit, mm-hmm. uh, do a QC. Eventually, we had people coming to us directly. But, uh, mm-hmm. and I think that's a, the other reason why we felt the model would work because when we spoke with those sellers, mm-hmm. they are, I mean, they were also unhappy because mm-hmm. you would get these hundreds of these calls. Yeah. People would just haggle. Nobody mm-hmm. will actually turn up. Someone mm-hmm. will turn up and then quote a dirt cheap rate. And mm-hmm. it was a nightmare to sell stuff. 
So they also appreciated the fact that there was this one platform that's giving me a guarantee as, as long as the product is good and they'll come in and pick it up. So it was a one zero for us. We would want to tell our users that based on what you've told us, this is the price we'll offer. Now, if the product is not in good condition, it's a zero. Otherwise, it's a one. We'll pick it up. There's no. They're not going to come in and haggle on that. We will let you choose a slot when you get it picked up. We'll send a a team that's professional. We'll we'll take care of not screwing up your house paint while we take the stuff out. Like all of that stuff is is important for people. So, so we were solving problems for both. Uh, the other thing that also happened on the supply side was, and this was again very circumstantial. Like so, I we knew the urban ladder folks uh, well uh, because these were uh, friends from college, and then like, a few other people. And in fact, urban ladder was one of the like their team was always very helpful, uh, no matter what we wanted help with. So I was visiting their warehouse, and and I noticed that their team was working on a brand new dining table. Yeah, in the warehouse, and I was I was like, why are you guys using your new products and it's having your team sit on it? And you're like, no, no, this is the second product. So then he showed me there was this small chip on one of the yeah. legs. Okay, and I was like, this is great. We will buy it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how okay. one of the most yeah. popular categories yeah. was born. So we would call it the yeah. unboxed category, yeah. where essentially right. we were saying we will go and buy products from all yeah. brands. And eventually, yeah. this was yeah. not just urban data. This was all major furniture brands, all major yeah. mobile phone and uh, appliances yeah. brands. And these are products that would have a refrigerator that has a dent on the door, right? Now, you can't say it is a new product, but if I sell it for 70%, people will line up to buy it. So that became an interesting part of supply as well. Interesting. Okay. And how did you fund it? Like you had employees early on, you had a van or a truck or something. So we we did raise raise money with an idea on paper. And I think we were privileged in that sense. So my two of my okay. co-founders were from a venture capital firm. Ah, okay. uh, those guys were kind enough to, to believe in what we wanted to do. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. so, so we had that money. Okay, okay, okay. Amazing. Okay. So uh, I, I'm wondering why you didn't take uh, the Cashify approach. Like, you know, Cashify is into used phones and their approach is uh, send on Cashify. I mean, everywhere they yeah. advertise their marketing spend is sell or Cashify, you know. And, yeah. Uh, but what you were spending on buy from uh, Zeffo, like that was what your yeah. marketing spend would have been on. So, so what is the difference yeah. between these two approaches, and why did you take the latter? So we were actually spending on both. We were spending on buy and sell, okay. and, and we felt it made sense because at least for furniture and large appliances, we wanted to retain the entire spread. So okay. we felt that there was value in keeping that inventory and then selling it on. Uh, and what it also did was it would create this virtuous cycle. So every product that we would sell, we would put a buyback guarantee on that. So we, okay. the behavior that we saw was people would buy something and then mm-hmm. in a year, they'll come back and exchange it for something else. Mm-hmm. right? And that buyback would have a certain premium if you're buying something again from us. So mm-hmm. people started using this as a model where, you know, I want to change my coffee table. Okay, now I'm bored of this. I get a new one. So it, it, mm-hmm. we felt it was a better model in that sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, the Cashify model is the better model for mobile phone. And that's something we figured the moment we started it. So we mobile phones was something we started only towards the fag end of our, uh, our, our tenure at Zephyr. And we realized that there, the problem is that phones, uh, the obsolescence cycle is very, uh, very high, right? Like, so you don't want to be sitting on the product for too long. And if you want to get it into refurbishment and all of these things yeah. for phones, then the, yeah. the, the product keeps depreciating in value very fast. So either you okay. have a very, very strong refurbishment engine and you're able to refurbish and put it back up for sale. Otherwise, mm. it's, you're better off in just giving it to these uh, resellers who will then mm. have the means to 
uh, to refurbish and then send them on or they just cannibalize them for parts and then still make money out of it. Okay. And uh, so, uh, you know, tell me like from year year to year, like, you know, 2015 was like in that year, what were the categories you were doing? What kind of sales did you generate and what kind of fundraise did you do? And, you know, if, if you could like paint a picture of your journey sure. at Zephyr. So see, 15, we started, I, I think we started in March or April, uh, or at mm. least March is when I landed in Bangalore. So maybe the, plot, the mm. website went live in August, actually, I remember now. Mm. Uh, mm. And we were just doing furniture mm. in Bangalore. That's it. Mm. And, uh, then 16 is when we started large appliances. And what, what revenue still, did you do in 15? Like what was your GFV? We would have exited the year, maybe doing 50 lakhs a month. Around okay. 40 and 50 Which lakhs a month. Pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it was it was more than we had expected. Uh, yeah, 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 like, yeah. We, we thought it will take some time for us to get the, the marketing yeah. Indian running, but it, yeah. we were always supply constrained at that point. Like, we would always run yeah. for it, mm. especially mm. the unbox category. That was a huge hit. Yeah. So, we will get in a new urban ladder lot and mm. it will go in two days and then we'll have to. Mm. Yeah, okay. so, right. so, you are right on that point that uh, there was uh, the high, the best selling products were always supply constrained. Mm. Um, and so yeah, fifty sixteen. I think broadly towards the end of the year, then mm. uh, beginning of twenty sixteen, we started large appliances. So mm. again, we were not doing TVs still because we thought TVs was still easier. What mm. was more difficult was refrigerators, washing machines, and, and mm. so on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we started that, and then three months on, we started TVs as well. And twenty sixteen is also when we started uh, Delhi. So we got into okay. uh, to NCR as well. Uh, mm. We started to the house in Gurugram, and we were catering to the entire region. How did you find this? Is the year you would need a lot of working capital, right? The more uh, categories you add, the more working capital you need because you are paying in advance. Yeah. So uh, initially it was equity, but obviously that was not a sustainable solution. So we started then uh, doing invoice discounting and some of these practices. Then so we got uh, we would raise net, especially say if you were buying products from from businesses, say Amazon. Right. So there we will have to pay upfront, but then we would raise debt and that will be baked into our account structure. Okay. okay. So, so you, you had like an institutional BNPL mechanism. Yeah, you could say that. I mean, mm. So we had these sellers on our platform who would mm. buy the products from uh, from Amazon or Flipkart or any other brand. Mm. And then mm. uh, we would uh, we would help them raise the money through, through say, someone like a credit Okay. 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 Uh, or a giraffe, which which didn't exist back then, but mm, not much. Mm-hmm. So, uh, your uh, platform had uh, like seller onboarding, also like sellers could directly list because you said you wanted to control the whole. Yeah. Like. So, we were we were sellers who would buy the inventory, but the inventory would be sitting in our warehouse. We would be the ones who know work okay. the inventory. Right? So, oh. these were these were essentially sellers who were just putting capital. Uh, and allowing us to not put our own money into buying the product. But mm-hmm. right. We would still do our own QC on it. There will be sellers mm-hmm. who will come up with uh, with products that were ready, but then we would still mm-hmm. insist on those to be in our warehouse. We would still insist on checking. We might not mm-hmm. refurbish mm-hmm. them. So mm-hmm. we opened up that at some point because we realized that we also needed more supply. And mm-hmm. there were these uh, quote-unquote dealers right, in the mm-hmm. market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we would never allow them to ship directly because we were never sure if they will do a good job. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Interesting. And how did you acquire these sellers? Like this was like again cold calling, telling them sell through us. And yeah, there was a so this was again not a very large portion uh, the institutional mm. sellers. So, mm. uh, but this was done through a, a team that was 
on the street and you know they would like Bangalore has has a few hotspots where mm-hmm. there are a lot of these used good centers right so you know where to find them mm-hmm. uh, but uh, the individual centers would all come through our own marketing efforts mm-hmm. right so we would also advertise to sellers people who are looking to sell mm-hmm. and then the institution relationships would be struck by a different team so we were also powering exchange for say Flipkart and Amazon so here oh. in Diwali for example Mm. It used to be a big deal for us as well because then suddenly mm. Flipkart would do thousands of units of washing machines mm. and they would want us to deal with mm. everything, right? So we would take a new warehouse. Mm. We would then have a bit of a cashify model where we will get the inventory, we'll quickly segregate and say whatever is not good enough, let's just mm. give it out directly. And only mm. the cream gets uh, kept for refurbishment. Mm. So mm. those were institutional relationships were, were, were run in a very different fashion. Mm. But then there were not a lot of those. They were, these mm. were usually the large brands and the large e-com platforms. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, okay. So uh, coming back to 2016, so you opened up Delhi, you opened up uh, large appliances, and you also opened up television towards the end of the year. Yeah, we opened that up in I think 2016, and uh, we also went to Bombay. So we were okay. in the three cities, and I think this was the year when things were all rosy, and we were growing pretty fast. We had a phenomenal Diwali, I remember 2016 Diwali, we did uh, very decent numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for okay. us, it was. The first wave of Diwali is powering the exchange programs and all mm. getting that supply. Mm. And then the second was our own sale where we'll try to also mm-hmm. sell a lot of these things. Yeah, you raised your yeah. Series A also, I think, in 2016. We raised, yeah, we raised a Series A also. So Series A uh, happened in 2016. Mm. On Six the back of some Yeah. Yes. Huh. So Sequoia came on board at that point. Mm. Um, and uh, this was also quite pivotal for us because until then, one of the big problems for us had been a lot of investors we would talk to will want to know mm. if a model like this existed in a China or a US. Yeah, yeah. And we would right. be at pains to explain that yeah, we have different market. India is a different market, and it requires a different right. approach. And, yeah. and that's why I am I am I'm actually forever grateful to the investors who did come in because yeah. you know I I could see that they wanted to back an idea that was different. It was two for Elon, which gave us the seed check, and eventually Sequoia yeah. and, uh, and a couple of other yeah. investors also came in. So these yeah. they were they didn't want us to tell them why this was working in other markets. They were more interested in knowing why it was working in India. Uh, what GMX? Scores were, I think we would have gotten close to about a 10 CR a month mark. 6, 7 crore, maybe not 10. Maybe 10, mm. is what, mm. 10, 10 is what could have done the year after. Uh, mm. okay. But yeah, it okay. had grown phenomenally well. Right. So when you say you were uh, profitable, uh, that includes the cost of uh, acquiring the customer or, or uh, removing that cost, you were profitable on the transaction. So cost of acquiring okay. the customer and the cost of servicing uh, mm. that product and, and uh, mm. the logistics mm. cost, right? So we were, uh, in Bangalore, I remember we were profitable in a very short span of time because the margins were very good. Like when the category okay. like furniture, you have upward of 40 to 50% margin. So wow. okay. EM positive was never a challenge for us. I mean, mm. uh, it became a challenge at a later point when we were also trying to grow and and, and I talk about this, we were growing, trying to grow mm. against the green. But uh, initially, it was very easy in that sense. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Uh, so, so what was the burnout like on uh, the building the technology stack? And so, our te- technology team was about uh, sixteen. I think it would have been ten people altogether. Mm-hmm. Ten, ten to fifteen people. So, product and technology combined. It was always a, a fairly lean team. Even at the peak, mm-hmm. we had more qualified. Okay. But you said that you were still burning money in 2016. What yeah. was it on like? So the burn was, would go on uh, a newer cities, right? This is when we had launched okay. uh, Mumbai and NCR. And Mumbai and NCR mm. were not as easy to crack in terms of economics, mm. especially in like, NCR, for example, 
huge geography uh, mm. the delivery costs were high you also need to get to a certain yeah. scale for routing word efficiencies of, okay. to come in in terms okay. of deliveries and all okay. yeah word okay. of mouth as well so CAC was also mm. 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 so that was one and the other was this mm. uh, a lot of these HO costs right so technology broadband uh, marketing mm. Mm. teams so okay. the cost of the teams mm. but mm. but that was that was where most of the money would go in yeah, okay okay so, got it so, okay yeah. and I think 17, 18 is when we started getting to a point where we realized that we would hit a, a cap in each market. Uh, so okay. we will get, we got Bangalore furniture to a certain point uh, mm. and then it became a little difficult to grow. We will okay. get Bangalore appliances to a certain point and then it became a little difficult to grow. And that is when we started acknowledging the fact that the market was not as large. Right? And, and that was a tough realization. But okay. uh, we always had known that the market was not insanely large. But what mm. we had banned was back on was that it will continue to grow quite fast. Right? Yes, so yeah. I think that is where the thesis sort of went wrong. But in terms of why there was a cap, if I talk about the demand side, there was there was and there continues to be a bit of a taboo around used goods in, in the yeah. Indian context, right? Yeah. So people don't necessarily want to buy a used product unless there's strong value on it. And what happened mm-hmm. in twenty late 2017-18 is that Flipkart and Amazon became quite aggressive with their private labels. So you had new televisions and new appliances and new furniture as well being sold for mm. close to used good prices. These are obviously right. inferior quality. And so we would be selling an LG TV for 8,000 mm. bucks, but then you would have a flip card branded new TV for 8,000 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Size is important. And right. people won't care. They'll say, ah, but this is new. right? And mm. uh, then there was an uphill battle for us to convince them on why this was still good quality. Mm-hmm. So that became one challenge. The other bit was supply where um, I, I think the problem for us was that our model was still decently operationally comp- uh, heavy, right? So I mm-hmm. couldn't suddenly open up a new market without going up and setting up a warehouse and setting up a reservation mm-hmm. center. Yeah. So right. uh, and you'd have to kind of market buy trucks and all for logistics and all of that. Absolutely. So we won't buy them, but we would lease them. But yeah, them, that's right. the cost that gets added on. So you need the market to be of a certain size for you to be able to serve it in a manner where it makes sense. So yeah, we realized here is the problem because it's not uh, okay. going to grow unless unless we got into a mode where we said, let's go and create the category, which was still doable, right? Hmm. But then that required hmm. a very different way of operating and it required a very different skill set from us as well. And market creation required a different mentality. It requires... Uh, you know, a certain charisma on part of the founder to go and raise that money. It requires a certain skill set in terms of marketing. And mm. we didn't have that. Help me understand this, like creating a category challenge. So you're saying like, say, what Oyoroms did was like creating a category where they raised and they were valued at like $18 billion at their peak or something like that. So so that would be, that, yeah. that's what it means to create a category. I mean, yes, to a certain extent, but even there also the need for a hotel room exists. They're just, they're just telling you this is a different and an easier way for you to get a, a room that has a predictable quality. Uh, true creation of, of a category is, uh, say you look at Grand, for example, right? I mean, uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Nobody could have said there is a need for something like this. Yeah. But now we right. all use it, right? Now, right. Uh, it's still questionable on where it land, but it's still a category that has come up from, from nowhere. Right? And then... Yeah, or it could be, say, a, a consumer product, say, AirPods mm. is a classic example mm. of that, right? Right. When, right. when they started, people mm. would have said the market for wireless earphones is mm. a subset of the market for earphones. That's no longer yeah. the case. It's become yeah. a, 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 a product in itself. 
that's what I meant by category creation. So we mm. had to, mm. uh, we realized that we had to go out and get people to think of used goods in a very different way than they do today. Mm. Uh, mm. People like us, uh, you know, people living in Bangalore, the more affluent ones, thought mm. of it in a different way. You know, like, mm. especially mm. people who are not married, who are in rented apartment, they would say, I need something for two years, this is mm. a better option. Mm. But that was not a thought that a lot of other people had. Mm. So mm. that I think was the, was the challenge over there. Mm. So, so we got, we hit that point, then uh, we briefly thought about raising that ton of capital to do that. Mm. Uh, we also tried, to be honest, we, we, mm. we didn't succeed in that. Okay. Uh, and, and that's when we said, like, easier to, you know, then get acquired and work mm. with a brand that's already large and probably has a wherewithal to, mm. to do something like this. Mm. Uh, and that is when we eventually did get acquired by, by Quicker. Like, did you consider leasing? Uh, like leasing out furniture, like rental, furniture rental. We, that did, we did. So for us, it had was... a lot of action around that time. I remember there were two, three startups. It did, yes. So I'll tell you, I always spent that it was a subsidy of our market mm. because this required an even more faviness uh, uh, in right, terms of right. the customer's behavior, right? Because it's never a better economic proposition to lease something unless you are leasing it for a very short duration. Because then which you is are anyway something that. Also underwriting the customers, like you'll. Yeah, so it was always, for me, it was always a checkout option, right? Mm. Like, mm. it's just a way for me to pay for something, which is now what's mm. happening with all the BNP and stuff. BNP, right, so what right. we did was we actually enabled a rent-in through a rent mojo at that point. rent mojo was, oh, was okay. doing that. Okay. We got into a partnership with them. You could mm. buy a furniture or an appliance from Zerfo, mm. but mm. instead of paying upfront, you could rent it out. And what we mm. would do at the back end is the inventory gets sold to rent mojo which then takes mm. care of... Uh, leasing it out and then we also told them that you know once you get it back we will give you a buyback price you can give it back to us but uh, mm-hmm. you know it was more of underwriting it was more of connection uh, and mm-hmm. felt more like a fintech play than, than an e-commerce play at that point when right. it's still right. not become a yeah, fintech yeah, yeah. NPL industry okay interesting uh, do you think it would have been better to do less categories and you uh, might have grown more like say if you only stuck to furniture or no uh, I think the problem was still that that category itself was not large, right? So the problem was never complexity or mm-hmm. uh, the fact that for whatever reason, it was difficult to manage more mm-hmm. categories. In fact, it was helpful mm-hmm. because the moment they started appliances, our order values went up. So it mm-hmm. uh, it made our marketing even more efficient because, and the mm-hmm. reason we started appliances was that, like you move into a new place, mm-hmm. you want to buy a bed, but then you also want to buy a refrigerator. Right. right? So, right. Or right. if you are moving out, you want to sell everything. So mm-hmm. a lot of our sellers would tell us, yeah, you're taking this furniture, why don't you take my appliances right. as well? Mm-hmm. So that with more categories mm-hmm. was not a problem. The problem was that each mm-hmm. of those categories were small, which is why we started mobile phones because there mm-hmm. the size was not a problem. Right. Unfortunately for us, the problem was that we figured that category had a different rhythm of mm-hmm. execution, which mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. Classify has cracked it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it didn't really fit well into our model. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. You know, we always keep wondering now that had we, had we thought of doing used cars or used uh, bikes back then, might have been a because turned out to be the good yeah. markets and used goods, right? At least right. Uh, looking oh. at how Spinny is doing now and then there's a like, few pairs on those bikes mm-hmm. as well. Uh, mm-hmm. But instead went to mobile phones, which uh, mm-hmm. didn't play out as we had expected. Interesting. And your uh, approach after you buy something was like low touch. So the way we thought about it was we will buy a product where we know we can refurbish it, right? So for example, in TVs, uh, where the economics really made sense for us was when we would buy these TVs that had broken screens. And they'll yeah, come from yeah, everything. Yeah. They'll come from individuals, yeah, but yeah. then they'll also come from businesses. Like Flipkart yeah. would take a ton of them 
in their logistics right so this is a new tv with a broken screen and we would import these panels and we would refurbish them and we would put new panels on those okay okay and there the margins were very good interesting so uh, what led to the quicker sale the sale to quicker yeah so as i said uh, became very clear 2018 that uh, this was not looking like it will become a very large business i at a peak we were doing about 20 crores a month hmm. uh, okay was still way lower than what we would really need to do for this to be a large outcome for us hmm. and our investors hmm. Hmm. Uh, so uh, and by then you and, had raised additional you raised 6 million in 16 your series a Uh, yeah, so we did about around ten or twelve. Yes, we did a, an internal series B with uh, with the same investors, uh, which uh, you know is also probably a mistake in hindsight because then why is that? that? This was done when we were flying, we were doing really well. Our investors mm. were also happy. They said, you know, why don't you take this money? Yeah, <laughs> for us, some people were like, yeah, this makes sense. We don't like fundraising. Why, why bother? But yeah. problem is when you do that, then the next time we are not doing that well, it might have helped to have. one more investor who could have said you know i will back you for at least one more round for okay. us our investors had already done that much mm-hmm. and uh, honestly we were not doing as well as we should right so mm-hmm. they also didn't feel comfortable to back us again so mm-hmm. i'm not going to blame them but had we had we had one more slightly more deep pocket investor uh things would have been a little different mm-hmm. interesting okay 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 yeah so yeah coming back but, to that quick deal yeah yeah Sorry. so going back so we, we we stopped growing Uh, or at least we uh, we were still growing but the growth was coming in at a cost that didn't make sense right? put uh, it this way right uh, like so we uh, could still we we could still see that we can grow this to a 2x 3x wherever it was but then uh, the incremental uh, marketing spend was just way 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 high right? uh, that just didn't make sense to us uh, so um, so then it was a question of either going and raising more money and going into this category creation exercise or uh, getting acquired by a larger brand that already has the ability to to attract these users hmm. so we didn't go down the the race part partly because we were not able to do it partly because we were also not 100% convinced hmm. that it was a good fit for us hmm. um, and therefore we started scouting for acquisition and at that point there were only three or four entities that where this could fit well right hmm. flipkart hmm. amazon were the two large e-commerce hmm. platforms and then there were picker and olex picker hmm. was the one where the conversation was most interesting especially because they had also realized that classifieds won't work so they were trying to get into transaction only mm. the transaction across all categories so mm. this was a very good fit into their entire mm. business okay uh, mm. uh, mm. we didn't have to change a lot of things as such they they mm. needed a business that was doing this this was already there mm. so you know not a single person had to be let go mm. so it was a it was a very clean fit in that sense Hmm. and uh, we did believe that quicker had the scale and the brand value at that point to to take this to the next level unfortunately it did not happen uh, hmm. but uh, but that that's what felt like the right hmm. model at that okay. point and uh, did the investors make money no i mean so this was a share swap so they okay. got uh, you got quick they got stock in quicker okay. Okay. so they would make money if they eventually end up having a great outcome that mm. Uh, right now in stand up for debate okay interesting so did you have a locket period with quicker did you work there or did you want to immediately move out then yeah so we had a six month locket to hand mm. over the business mm. uh, i think it was pretty clear from the beginning that uh, we we had too much of an entrepreneurial spirit to to be tied down there for too long so we 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 stuck around for those six months uh, handed over the business and then we were out 
Okay. And thinking about what next. Okay. So tell me that process now. You are again starting from scratch. Did you? So, uh, so we started thinking again and this time, uh, uh, this time we wanted to sort of learn from our mistakes uh, and, you know, do a slightly better job. So again, very analytical consultant uh-huh. kind of an approach. <laughs> right. uh, so look back and said what went wrong, right? And the uh-huh. biggest answer was market, like not bad large enough. Right. So right. we said, hello, this time, whatever we do, the market has to be very large. Like we are uh-huh. not going to compromise yeah. on that. Uh-huh. And uh, we started thinking again. And uh, what happened this time was that uh, healthcare was a sector that sort of came up very early in, in our, our deliberations. Uh, and it's obviously very large. The, the thing that excited us was that this is one of the few sectors where not a lot has still been done, right? If you look at the impact of a technology, internet, uh, mm. over the last decade or two in India, this is one sector where you still haven't seen a lot of change. So mm. it was also exciting in that sense that there is probably a very large outcome waiting to be built. Mm. Mm. And there is not a lot of competition. It was obviously a fairly difficult sector to crack as well. I remember when I met... Uh, uh, friends and, and like folks from the investing community to discuss what I should do. People told me healthcare is a startup graveyard. Be very <laughs> <laughs> because, <laughs> right, right. And uh, what also, uh, one of the contributing factors to getting into healthcare was that my co-founder comes from a family of doctors. So mm-hmm. Karan, uh, his parents are both doctors and brother is a doctor. Most of his extended family is, is full of doctors. Mm-hmm. His father was running his own uh, super specialty hospital. Okay. So he always felt like the odd one out in his family and he always had sure. the urge to, to do something in healthcare. And this time we're huh. like, you know what, uh, let's, let's actually do something over here. And in huh. fact, after quicker, he had briefly moved back home. So his, his father was, uh, and they said, was running a hospital that had not been doing as well as they had expected. So uh, typical bravado of, uh, of, you know, an ex-consultant, I'll come in and I'll crack it. And then quickly realized that doesn't yeah. work out like it's a very different business and it's not easy. Yeah. He was also not yeah. able to, yeah. to do yeah. a lot. Yeah. Uh, so, so he was the one who kind of pushed us, hey, let's look at this hospital space. It is interesting. It's not mm. easy, mm. Uh, but mm. it is interesting. Mm. And uh, I think the part that brought us over the hump of healthcare not being exciting and uh, not, not being uh, viable enough from a business point of view was the fact that we realized that most of the attempts that had happened so far but yeah. either in the primary healthcare space or preventive healthcare, one of those right? And unfortunately, the ticket size in any of these transactions is not very large. Right. So, um, very difficult for a company to make money unless you build like a, a lot of scale and like uh-huh. a great brand. Uh-huh. Uh, otherwise, if you're monetizing a 500 rupee consultation, there is uh-huh. just not enough for everyone to make money. Right. So, this time we said, we will go after tertiary care and secondary care, like so inpatient care, where the at least the transaction sizes are a lot higher. So these are upwards of 50,000 one side. And uh, therefore, you know, at least there are margins available for mm. someone to come in and demand a certain pie from that as long as they are adding value. Mm. Within primary care, even if you add a lot of value, it's still very difficult. And mm. the quantum is just so small that the scale is, is, has to be very large. Yeah, can you define these terms, primary, tertiary, secondary care? Yeah, so primary is... Uh, a consultation. I was playing badminton, now I have pain in my shoulder. I just want to go and meet an orthopedic mm. doctor. Mm. That's mm. a that's primary care, right? I'm just getting a mm. consultation done. Secondary or tertiary care, your inpatient care is I want to know I I was diagnosed, I got a test done, and it turns out I torn my ligament and I have to get mm. some surgery done to fix that. Mm. And mm. you know, the, the consultation was five hundred thousand rupees, but then this 
surgery is, is upwards of one lakh. What we said was we ideally want to be sitting on this side uh, versus mm-hmm. the, the primary care side. So that's that that's the one reason why we felt that at least we would not run into the same problem as everyone else. We might run into a different problem, but it will at least be different. Mm-hmm. Uh, the part that obviously did get us very excited was that no matter how you got it, this was a very, very large market. Inpatient care today mm-hmm. is upwards of $80 million okay. in India. And mm-hmm. when you, whatever cut you want to put, like you remove government, you remove tier three, tier four, you remove mm-hmm. one of the large brands, it's in a very, very large market uh, mm-hmm. that is that's out there uh, for grabs. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the patient side, one thing that became very clear as we spoke with patients was that most patients did not have a go to brand that they could trust. People like you and me, we are privileged enough to have the ability to walk into an Apollo or a Medanta or an Cortex. Uh, mm. uh, mm. And we have that implicit trust, you know, I'm, they might overcharge me. They might not treat mm. me very well, but clinically it's going to be great. I'll be fine. Mm. Uh, mm. Most of the average folks do not mm. have the ability to walk into these hospitals because they just, they don't have the cash or they just don't have an insurance plan to back that. And in mm. the absence of that, they don't have a go-to brand that they can have the same blind trust on. Hmm. On top of that, the problem is that clinically, though I don't have that trust, I hmm. also don't don't have a great experience. I was talking about how the sector hasn't had a lot of improvement uh, at all based on technology and internet. Uh, so hmm. experience is still the same as what it was 20 years, 30 years back. And hmm. there is also an inherent lack of transparency when it comes to pricing. You hmm. you don't know what you will be charged until you're getting hmm. discharged. And they give you an estimate, exactly. but then yeah. uh, there is some extra... Uh, something extra that you always yeah. get chatted on and, and there is not much you can do at that point you just feel uh, that you've been cheated in some shape and form so yeah. very clear opportunity to build a, a go-to brand for the average audience yeah. which could solve for the pain points of clinical quality yeah. experience and transparency on pricing and that those yeah. three pillars is what we felt would allow you to be trusted uh, yeah. and what we also figured on the supply side was that there were a lot of high quality hospitals that were mm. struggling. And this to me was the biggest shock because I had always grown up with the thinking, you know, you are a good doctor, you set up your own hospital, that's it, you are sorted for life. That's not the mm. case because all doctors tend to think of it this way and all of these doctors are setting up hospitals in tier one cities because, you know, that's where they were all working. So think about a, a doctor mm. who worked mm. for 15 years at an Apollo or a footage mm. or an Ames. Mm. And now they yeah. want to set up their own hospital. They're not going to uproot their family and move to a tier three town. They, mm-hmm. They're going to do it in a in a metro or a tier one uh, city. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. these cities have a, a bit of an oversupply today. So there are mm-hmm. a lot of these independently run mid-sized uh, secondary care or tertiary care hospitals. And these hospitals don't have a great brand yet. So the doctor might have a great brand, but the doctor's brand only allows for a 20% utilization of the hospital. How do I fill in the rest of the bed? As a doctor, I don't know. What compounds problem is that this is perhaps the one sector where the owner of the business, who in most cases is the doctor, is not a good businessman. These people have not been trained to do business, right? They're, they're, what they love to do is practice medicine. They, they care yeah. about clinical quality. They care about outcomes. Yeah. Now suddenly they have to deal with uh, suppliers of drugs. And negotiate mm. prices. Mm. They have to mm. figure out how to market themselves. They have to deal with, uh, you know, putting out ads in newspapers. And and this is all alien territory. Mm. So, mm. as a result, a lot of these independent doctors, uh, doctor-run hospitals are struggling. Mm. And this is where we saw the opportunity. Where we said, on one hand, you don't have a great 
trusted brand that people can go to. On the other side, you yeah. actually have good quality supply that mm-hmm. is not able to do well. And you know, mm-hmm. the patient knows that there are these 10 hospitals in my locality, but as a patient, I don't mm-hmm. know which of the of these 10 is clinically sound because they all look similar mm-hmm. from the outside. Right. And unfortunately, there is no clinical data that any of the hospitals share. Today, right? So I don't mm-hmm. know what the success mm-hmm. rate of a specific procedure in a hospital A versus B, C, and D. So mm-hmm. what we do now is we said we will go and partner with these independent in hospitals, which are yeah. uh, clinically sound, right? So I'll go to a locality. I'll partner mm-hmm. with one hospital out of the 10 that is clinically great. They have good infrastructure. They have good infection control protocols. Mm-hmm. They have yeah. good quality of nursing. Mm-hmm. I will co-brand them. I will tell mm-hmm. them that, look, I'll start driving more patients to your hospital. Uh, and then over time, I will also work with the hospital on all of the other non-clinical functions. So, you know, it could be putting in technology for better experience. It could uh-huh. be putting in technology for uh, processing insurance claims. It could be lending for patients. It could be uh, procurement of drugs and consumables where I can not only bring efficiency, but I can also bring in scale because I work with 500 uh-huh. people like you. Right? So uh-huh. our value prop to the hospital is that we are the the new age franchise model that you want to go for. So you partner mm-hmm. with us and we will then make sure that your economics are sorted. And for the patients, this becomes the the brand that they can trust. I'll go back to those three pillars, clinically, uh, mm-hmm. good clinical outcomes, which comes by virtue of us being very, very careful about who we work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, pricing, we put in a fixed price package wherever possible. So one of the features mm-hmm. of our product is if you come to us, you want to get a surgery done, mm-hmm. we will give you a price that is fixed. That mm-hmm. price does not change irrespective of the number of days of stay in the hospital or some extra bits that had to happen. And lastly, experience where we are saying we are putting in our own counseling layer, we are putting in our own technology. Uh, You know, we'll ensure you get your documents on WhatsApp. You can do Mm. a a teleconsult follow-up instead of going to the doctor to visit again. Mm. Uh, There is a counselor who answers all your questions. We'll Mm. ensure that a doctor is more receptive to your questions than they usually are. All of that adds up into a meaningfully different experience. Interesting. So tell me about the first hospital you outboarded. What all did you do for them? One of the other learnings we had from some Zephyr was what works in our Bangalore doesn't work elsewhere. Yeah, so this time right. we wanted to be doubly sure that we are we're building a business that works mm. in, in the entirety of India or at least a good part of it works since there's mm. uh, three or four metros. So we went mm. to Chandigarh to start. While mm. Why is that? was still based in Bangalore. Mm. Uh, because that felt like a market that was you know a good mix of modern healthcare and you know the mm. modern mm. city mm. with very traditional thinking mm. and you know they, like Chandigarh doesn't have a lot of migrant population people who live there have been living there for a while mm. uh, in most likelihood they will have at least a GP that they will go to so they will know where to go right. Right. and that is what most of India looks like unlike a Bangalore where mm. most mm. of the world population has only been here for the last five years right. Right. So, okay. yeah, so I, I don't know who a good doctor in uh, Bangalore is, but mm. if I were living in Chandigarh, mm. I would most likely have a good idea. Right? So we said, mm. let's test mm. ourselves in a market that is exactly opposite. And if it works mm. there, then obviously it'll work in a Bangalore as well. Mm. And then what helped was that Karan's parents were in Chandigarh. So among mm. all the tier two-ish places that we could have chosen, Chandigarh was the one that we did because mm. at least we would get meetings with hospitals because of his father. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And Karan's father was running a hospital himself. He was running the hospital himself. You, so, you didn't uh, want to take that, that up as your first hospital? Uh, no, we didn't. It did it. So it okay. felt like a bit of a conflict, to be honest. Okay. Um, but yeah, because of him, we did have at least a connect with a mm. bunch of other hospitals. But that mm. is all we got. We got connects, right? So you yeah. can tell him that uh, 
and so will know we think they're going to come and meet you uh, and then yeah, we would yeah. wait for hours outside the doctor's cabin <laughs> to turn up yeah. uh, i remember the first few meetings very clearly they would all laugh at our face they were like coming from bangalore you think it might be kuch hota hai kuch nahi hota hai there is no way you can write a single question for me uh, <laughs> i mean we were obviously We were we also didn't know right so we were pretty humble about it. We said, "Ah, you might be right, yeah. but uh, give us yeah. a chance." And yeah. I think what worked for us back then and what works for us today also is that ours has always been a performance-based model. Mm. So as a hospital, you pay us only if we deliver; otherwise, mm. you don't. Oh, and it's not okay. that we come in and ask oh. you to revamp completely, mm. right? We don't ask Let's you to rethink your, your revenue shares. Uh, like after the patient you generate, you take a revenue. Exactly. So it's not even an upfront marketing thing, mm. right? It's not that right. I'm convincing them to go and put money mm. on a Google ad, and then mm. you'll get a funnel, and you'll be able to make mm. money out of it. I'm saying I'll do all of that. If I get you a patient, you mm. give me a certain percentage. Mm. So that mm. is what got us in, right? They said, "Okay, you know, I I don't think you can do anything." Yeah. Right. But uh, fair, I don't know. You yeah. have to try it out. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. our conditions were just were simple. We we wanted uh, a counselor from our end to be in the hospital. We call them the IMTs. Yeah. We still have them. They are the bridge between the hospital and our patients, and they ensure that uh, the patient is is treated well enough. Uh, the second was we wanted some control on pricing, which again because we were getting the patient, the hospital was hmm. was fine, hmm. uh, and that's about it. Uh, hmm. And we wanted some co-branding, but nobody gave it at, at that point. Hmm. Right? So we said right. get some patients, and then we yeah. worry about it. And we said to them. So yeah. we had a very rudimentary website. We got started, and uh, we were then able to actually start driving these patients. Yeah. Uh, and it, I remember even in the first few patients, there was always this doubt that the doctor will have. Hey, uh, this guy might have come for my name, which will go. But then yeah. as the yeah. scale went up, they realized, and the patient would also tell them, "I I looked up online. These guys were very clear yeah. on where I should go. They helped me understand." Yeah. So yeah. gradually, we started building that that equity, and that is what then opened the doors for us. To do a lot of the other things that we do with the hospitals, right? where yeah. there is yeah. some effort needed from the hospital, if they want us to process their insurance claims, there is some effort that we need to put in. So yeah. all of that then eventually came in. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the first few hospitals were all highly skeptical. Yeah. Uh, and you opened multiple hospitals in Chandigarh, like you wanted to cover the cities. I think we had about five hospitals when we started, yeah. and uh, the idea was uh, that we wanted. to have be a good coverage of all specialties which is how we still think of our network so we either right. want uh, you know all specialties to be covered reasonably right. well we want at least three or four specialists mm. and secondly we also wanted options in you know all geographies like chandigarh mm. is also fairly large city yeah. geographically so mm. you know you have a panchkula your chandigarh even your mali mm. uh, so just one or two hospitals in core chandigarh are not good enough to serve the entire region Hmm. So we had uh, in the first, and we had a hospital in Mohali. We had, I think, two in Chandigarh, one in Panchkula hmm. to begin with, hmm. and and then gradually we added on a little bit more. Hmm. Okay, okay, interesting. You said you give patients a fixed price, which means uh, uh, you are you are now taking on that risk that it may cost more than what you are promising the patient. Like, how, how did you figure out pricing? Yeah. So, see, I think there what worked for us. And partly why we went ahead with this approach was that the hospitals were already used to this with the insurers. Uh, so if you were to look at an mm. agreement that a hospital has, say, with someone like an ICICI Lombard, yeah. there is a fixed price. Mm. Right? So ICICI okay. will say for this procedure, I'll I'll pay you seventy thousand rupees. Mm-hmm. Now the hospital might try and bill more and then get the patient to pay it, but mm. ICICI mm. is not going to pay more than that. Right. 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 So right. they were used to this as a concept, mm-hmm. and. Uh, 
what we did was uh, we said we don't want to necessarily say what the price is at least yeah. of them today yeah. we are, have a view on that as well but at that point we mm. said we don't we will not tell you that the price should be 80k and not that yeah. but mm. the moment we finalize one lakh mm. it can't change after that and the mm. problem mm. in hospital is that they will tell you a lag and say theek hai fine take a lag but then at the time of discharge and say you know like i had an experience i had like this was long back you you're getting out and then oh we had to use this extra medicine yeah 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 it was this extra doctor that had to visit you consumable they only added up what option do you have to pay and so so we wanted to avoid that so we even showed that all our patients were offered this package and that was one thing that then the patients also liked and appreciated mm-hmm. okay so uh, again tell me that journey what was your work when you had these five hospitals it started and then covid happened right so it's really it's 20 2019 uh, was your work not ideal start 2019 yeah. december is when we went live okay year one for the practical purpose of 2020 so we were barely getting started and then the lockdown happened and uh, mm-hmm. uh, i remember we scrambled to put together a teleconsult product in 3 days and that, oh, wow. that is when the teleconsultation guidelines came out right so the doctors were also then Sort of okay with doing that. So first, we all we did was just some daily consults, and that's it. Mm. More of it, nothing. Yeah, because we uh, just were not doing any other procedure except for handling COVID cases. So therefore, you could exactly. not. Exactly. Uh, we didn't even have COVID cases. So if you remember the first wave, even the hospitals were empty. There was yeah. just nothing happening. Right. Right. Second wave, everyone right. had COVID cases. Yeah. First wave yeah. was just yeah. nothing. Only emergency yeah. was being yeah. taken care of, and we right. had we had no way to. Like mm. nobody knew of us, so nobody would call us yeah. if they had an emergency. So we yeah. had zero revenue yeah. at that point. Yeah. All we had was these people who were doing teleconsult, and it was a pipeline getting built up for whenever the lockdown mm. gets lifted, and we then mm. saw some of them come back and and get procedures done. Mm. But uh, that was about it. Uh, but the good part about it was that we had just gotten started, so we had a few initial learning. And usually, what mm. happens is as you get that initial bit, you start scaling up, mm. and you don't always get your house in order right so we got mm-hmm. that opportunity to mm-hmm. say okay you know we started mm-hmm. with this thesis at least mm-hmm. a few things behaved differently mm-hmm. now we have these two months we we built started working on our product we got a, a very good back end in uh, mm-hmm. our crm and like a few mm-hmm. of those standard mm-hmm. systems built so then at least when the lockdown board lifted we were mm-hmm. ready from a product mm-hmm. standpoint mm-hmm. Uh, which right. you never have the luxury of uh, when you start off mm-hmm. yeah it's But yeah, so it got lifted, and then I think we we started seeing a pretty good response. Uh, mm. And then what happened was uh, we noticed that our superpower was that once we got a patient to a hospital, they'll convert over there, and that is what the doctors and hospitals also noticed because okay. the experience was just so good, right? So mm. they will right. feel that all of these things together were, uh, but so you know they could trust it so much that mm. these patients who had no idea of IU health, and we were like very small, we had no ATL, like there was no presence mm. at all. But they would come in and see these hospitals. They would come in and see the service, and they would then start converting. Oh. The conversion happened because of the IU Mitra. Like you had that IU Mitra there, so the regular hospital experiences you have to wait a lot, and you have to go from room to counter to room to counter with no, no one to really guide you. Whereas here, there is an IU Mitra who's like doing more handholding than the regular experience. Yes, that was that was one of the big reasons. The others were uh, the Uh, you know pricing being being transparent uh, the comfort that people were able to get on that mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. i think the other part that we realized after we started working was the the benefit of a network we would see a lot mm-hmm. of patients would come in with these insurance plans that mm-hmm. might not get accepted in one hospital but then we'll always find a hospital in the network which can accept that mm-hmm. okay. and that was always a strong value add 
So we raised more money. So we had raised mm-hmm. a seed round before we started. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we raised a, a series A. Uh, I think about uh, 1.3 million was your seed. And then series A was about 6 million. 6 odd million. Correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, 6 odd million. So we, we raised that in uh, late 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, then we got to Bangalore. And then uh, Bangalore was obviously easier. Like we always knew it was going to be easier. It's obviously a larger city. So people were more professional. It was easier for us to get them to agree to our town. It was easier for us to get them to treat the patients in a a better fashion. Uh, What was not as easy was uh, generating demand because this was also more competitive. This is where, uh, you know, everyone else is uh, is spending money online, including the the, the hospitals and the larger chains. You you go and search for a knee replacement in Bangalore, you will see Everyone running in that, right? It yeah, could be a startup, it could be uh, a doctor, it could be a hospital, it will be an Apollo. Well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that part was more challenging. Yeah. 2021 end is when we uh, we raised that fundamental round. 27 million. So this was, uh, yeah, 27 million. So this was like properly large money. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we got into NCR, uh, we acquired what, a small What was your, uh, like, what kind of GMV were you doing by that time or revenue-wise, like, by end of... 2021 end, we were doing uh, about 3 crores, 3 odd crores of uh, yeah. procedure values, right? Then, yeah. So in our business, yeah. there is also like a lot more GMBs. There could be diagnostics on top. There could be uh, consultation, GTV. Yeah. There could be GTV of insurance yeah. uh, that we process. There could be GTV of some lending that we might have enabled. But the yeah. core uh, demand GTV was about 3 crores at that point. Yeah, okay. 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 Got it. Yeah. Okay. So... Uh, so then we, uh, so we raised that round and we launched uh, NCR uh, and and Jaipur and eventually Hyderabad as well. So now we are in five regions. We work with about 130 hospitals, mm-hmm. and uh, and the focus now is to sort of continue to go deeper in these markets. That I think the the good thing uh, for us has been that we've seen that we are able to drive a lot of depth in each of the mm-hmm. markets. And with hospitals that we work, any mature hospital will drive 15, 20 percent of their overall top line. Right. Oh, so okay. today, with these five markets itself, we see the ability to grow another four or five X from where we are. We are already now at about a, a five X of where we were hmm. last year when hmm. we raised, and you know we we will be at around the four or five X by the end of twenty twenty three with these five markets. Hmm. So uh, okay. amazing. So uh, was this twenty seven million round like an opportunistic raise? Like the market was hot and. Because you had just raised six million, I'm assuming you would not have needed funds so soon. Partly, yes. I mean, so the six million was raised about a year back, right? Like we we raised that in December 2020, and uh, we okay. only announced it in 2021. So the actually, okay. I think what confuses people is that when you look at at least the the press releases, uh, yeah. 2021 right. is when we talk about the the series A, and then suddenly yeah, yeah, yeah. there's talk of, yeah. uh, of series B. But yeah. the rounds are actually yeah. uh, almost 12 months. Uh, separated from each other. That said, mm-hmm. when we raised, we still had the money. So uh, it was not that we wanted the money then or, or mm-hmm. we had to go and raise then. Uh, but you know, one of the things that you learn also when you've been a founder for, for a long time is A, you want to be fundraising at all points uh, mm-hmm. and ideally, uh, you know, optimize for not just the time but also the quality of the investor. Mm-hmm. So okay. Fundamentum is someone we've been talking to for the last more than a year. They started talking to us before we raised our series Mm. And they were very clear that they would not do the series A, but they're still talking to us. Mm. And they mm. built that conviction on the business over mm. that one year. We built conviction on, on them. Uh, mm. So I think when mm. they eventually did come to us and, and, and told us that they wanted to put money, 
uh, mm. it felt like a good time uh, mm. that and then mm. we also added on a little bit i think what was opportunistic was we we went out to raise about a 20 million we ended up raising mm. almost a 27 uh, and mm. then a little bit uh, of that and that mm. addition was uh, was a little bit opportunistic right so there were mm. there was strong demand obviously the market was very good at that point and right back with the mind we also knew ki uh we don't know how long this this thing goes on yeah, right, right, right. yeah, yeah the yeah, money yeah. is coming in on decent terms mm. hey, it's so, better to raise so the when it's available rather than to be hunting when you are desperate mm. absolutely absolutely as long as it's coming from people that you like right i think mm. what mm. we were what we been very lucky with that iu is if i talk about all of our investors that uh, you know starting with seller is vertex fundamentum mm. and uh, you know some of the other newer investors that have come in as well mm. uh they're on very aligned with the way we want to build this business and mm. i don't mean it in a way that they, they agree with whatever i want to do we mm. do disagree a lot but mm. you know they are aligned with the fact that we want to ensure that the quality always remains mm. Mm. we are okay to not do a 10x year on year we'll do a mm. 5x 4x but mm. we'll do it in a sustainable fashion mm. uh, long before the market changed i i remember our board had been telling us you know you should not try and burn this all in a year there's no point mm. uh, right. not uh, as Not a popular opinion. <laughs> yeah, I don't know a popular opinion at all. Because yeah, yeah, everyone yeah, was yeah. looking elsewhere and saying, "Oh, look, this guy is more money. This guy is amazing." But Good what do you thing. need the yes. money for? Like, what do you need to burn on? What are the things? Because you're asset light, so um, yeah, you know, compared to Zephyr, where you actually had to take those warehouses and do all of that work, uh, here yeah. you don't need to. I mean, here it's pure ref share, no asset investment. So, what do you need to spend on? Um, so money is marketing. Okay. And like Zepho, at least in IU for a while, we were not making money on the unit, right? We still had oh, to yeah. go out of way to convince people on why they should trust IU. So yeah. our acquisition costs were were higher than the revenue that we made, and, and that here, is no I longer the case. There's also more competition for those same customers, right? Because, uh, uh like when I'm searching for uh, some issue, I will probably also see a Practo ad uh, for. Yeah. doctors and uh, you know like the apollo and fortis also are and then pristine care is also like a competition right yeah no so there definitely is more you know is mm. more competition no doubt so that that does play a role mm. but i guess mm. i guess it's just that there is a an upfront investment into some of these things so for example just the the way the funnel behaves right today you spend money to acquire uh, a potential patient mm. who will get a consultation done today right mm. now they The decision on whether they need a surgery might take some time, and yeah, they yeah, yeah. say, "No, surgery will be done anyway." Right? Yeah. Like I am also interested. Yeah, I am not. That's how we yeah. all are. Yeah. So people take the wrong free time to decide. So that funnel yeah. takes some time to play out. Find your cost is is, is put up front, and then we yeah. uh, we do invest uh, a, a decent amount of money in brand building. So you know, ETL holdings and all of those things. So okay, there okay. is a definitely a marketing investment upfront. Uh, you spending on. Uh, uh, brand building at the hospital premise like putting up your holding there or also like in general like more uh, hyper local approaches to put up holdings in that area like both stops and all. both so holdings i mean holdings are cheap right like i guess mm-hmm. the the holding mm-hmm. at the hospital is cheap you just have to put your own branding yeah yeah, yeah. right so right, right. Are okay mm-hmm. uh, but doing the rest of it is is mm-hmm. costly mm-hmm. Uh, so that is is what has taken some money and obviously mm-hmm. then there is uh there's a team right mingle the leader team is staff today is it is start for a much larger business so what yeah. at least we've been focusing on is that the major city should start becoming profitable uh, mm. today mm. chandigarh is already there 
Bangalore, which is our second market, will turn cash flow positive in six months. Right? It's not just contribution, but cash flow positive. So the way we look at our model is you start a city, you put in a lot of cost upfront, both in terms of people, in terms of uh, uh, your brand building efforts. But then that, at, over time, you start reaping the benefits of that. Like now in Bangalore, almost 20% of our patients come through a word of mouth referral. So, oh, wow. Yeah, that has been bringing down the tax significantly, which is why you know make money on the unit and we soon make money at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, what is the funnel like for a patient? There'll be an inquiry, they'll fill up a form. Then what happens? So they would discover us online, or they would mm-hmm. discover us through uh, an offline partner who will uh, you know who will refer them to IU Health. Uh, what, this could be a diagnostic this lab. This could be oh, a okay. chemist. This could mm-hmm. be a GP. It's mm-hmm. a, Everyone in the healthcare ecosystem is mm-hmm. yeah, And um, they get some the referral bonus. They get some referral bonus. So, okay. For example, we might work with a chemist where we give them a certain mm-hmm. loan for every lead that comes to us, right? Like mm-hmm. that's an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, once a patient reaches out to us, they'll talk to our team uh, mm-hmm. who will help and will try and understand what is it that they need help with. A lot of patients that we speak with actually have no idea who they should go and meet. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Classic mm-hmm. case is... Uh, I have test pain. This must be gas. I want to meet a gastroenterologist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> it, is, right. it ends up being a cardio case right. uh, more often mm-hmm. than not. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. right. So the team will do uh, you know basic understanding of, of what that issue is and who they should go and meet, and then they'll fix up and then help also understand where the patient wants to go. So in terms of mm-hmm. where they are based, but also if they have an insurance plan, then in what hospital and our network does it get accepted? And then mm-hmm. uh, sometimes uh, the patient also wants to know which doctor is there the doctor might mm. be specializing in one thing or the other so they'll fix up an appointment uh, so then, this team is like an inside sales team it's like an inside sales team yes mm. okay. uh, and their sole focus is to drive an appointment like this team mm. has to get patients to come and visit our doctors mm. now once okay. a patient visits a doctor uh, that's mm. where the Ayumitra at the hospital takes over and okay. uh, they'll need the doctor the doctor mm. uh, might give a decision immediately or the doctor might suggest a few diagnostics that need to be done and then the decision happens. In case it's diagnostics, they also get support from us in getting those done. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, they can maybe do a teleconsult later to yeah. just talk to the doctor because the doctor doesn't need to see them in person again. Yeah. Um, yeah. About 30 odd percent of patients that come to us get recommended a surgery. And then we yeah. are very careful about this number. So hmm. for us, any hospital or a doctor that does more than 50%, there's an instant red flag and our clinical team oh, goes in yeah. and has a look because hmm. you ideally don't want to be recommending too many surgeries, right? Because hmm. that's that's the hmm. usual abuse that, that tends to happen. Hmm. Uh, and, hmm. and that is an instant trust killer. Like I, I as a patient, go to IU Health, I don't go get a surgery done, otherwise hmm. it's going to be something, something, hmm. something. Then I go to another doctor, he says, no, no just have this medicine hmm. and we'll be fine and hmm. instantly hmm. kills all the trust. Hmm. So hmm. very careful about that. And mm-hmm. and that's a complete doctor decision. So there's no incentive or, or any influence that the team has over that. Once the surgery is recommended, that's when then an Ayumitras will try and understand what the patient wants mm-hmm. uh, and convert them into getting mm-hmm. the procedure done. Okay. 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 Yeah. And then post-op, again, mm-hmm. we will sort of be around to help. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at the time of hospitalization, you need help with insurance processing, bunch of other mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Post-discharge also, you know, there are follow-ups that happen. If they need an appointment, then you set up like a follow-up appointment and all that. Yeah, that that will happen. So they can do it on the app. They can do it on a WhatsApp channel. Or they'll just, mm-hmm. Usually they'll call up the IMS and like they'll strike a good rambo with those. Mm-hmm. So what's the role of tech in this? One part of tech is, of course, lead gen, uh, where yeah. you would have a 
like that whole lead gen process, you would have built digitization there. What else is there? So see, tech is is the main enabler of this business, right? This is there's a lot of moving parts across mm. this business. So you know, I I like to compare this with say e-commerce, where mm. again, like if you look at a Flipkart, they're essentially getting an order, picking a product mm. from the warehouse, delivering it to you, right? But mm. tech is mm. what holds it all together, ensures mm. that there is predictability on the SNAs, there is uh, mm. you know visibility on what's happening. Mm. The same is true here as well. So. Uh, you know, when you call us, for example, and the insights here huh. talks to you, there is a very strong recommendation in the back that helps the agent understand who uh, the patient should go and visit. Right? It's something okay. as basic yeah. as just asking the patient for their location and then instantly uh-huh. showing hospitals and have the nearest uh-huh. and, you know, what is the is the distance. It's a very, very uh-huh. simple thing. Uh-huh. But then it could uh-huh. be something as complicated as asking five questions from the patients. And mm-hmm. then throwing up recommendation based on those five references, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. uh, so there's a strong recommendation aspect. Uh, mm-hmm. Once they are in the hospital, like we spoke mm-hmm. about, how the Ayumitra plays a very important role. Our invention vision mm-hmm. is that a lot of what the Ayumitra does is something that product takes care of. Today, okay. Ayumitra is the one person I can ask any question I want. Increasingly, a lot of those questions are moving on product. Okay, uh, you know, Ayumitra is a person who will help me get insurance processed. Mm-hmm. Now we have. We're not building a product where we are trying to integrate with all the insurers so that when you go into a hospital mm-hmm. that we run through us, mm-hmm. instead of taking five hours for an approval to come, it takes half an hour. Mm-hmm. So okay. you, that's where you process the claim on their behalf because you will get the they process the claim on their behalf. We'll help the hospital integrate directly with the insurer. Mm-hmm. We will build in efficiencies there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tech so is what plays a role in each of these these steps and, and keeps it all together and keeps ensuring that the quality of the service at each point gets better. So is there an app for patients also? There is an app for patients, yes. What, what does that do for them? How does it help them? So it's um, that will allow them to browse hospitals and allow them to search for specific ailments, specific specialties, okay. look up doctor profiles, book an appointment mm. with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it also gets customized a bit based on where the patient is in the journey. So if a patient has already seen a doctor, they've been mm. recommended a procedure, then the app will also throw up certain recommendations mm. on, you know, what the patient might want to, mm. to read about, for example. Like say, uh, I go into a hospital and mm. uh, I, I've been recommended a surgery, but I'm just very wary of getting a surgery. That's it. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. So, what the app shows me is testimonials. It, it shows me a doctor video talking about how simple this procedure is. Okay. Whereas when you go in, your concern is price, let's say. Right? Mm. So then the app will talk about, oh, you can get Financing done. Yeah. Here are five other options, other yeah. hospitals in the network where you might get a better price. Talk to your eye yeah. get an appointment done there. So yeah. each yeah. sort of customizes yeah. the flow uh, a little bit based on on what the patient might. Yeah. Okay. 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 Uh, what about patient health records? Is that on your roadmap? Like the it app is, it is. So we, yeah. yeah. So today we do that in a very rudimentary way where yeah. I know the the document gets scanned or if mm. if it's already electronic then we pick it up and, and put it into the mm. uh, into the patient's health record that's accessible on the app mm. uh, but there's obviously a lot more that could be done mm. uh, I think the that's one area where it will only really take off once the government mandates those things today the doctors are just very comfortable writing something on a piece of paper and, and people have tried a lot to convert that text into legible stuff but it just doesn't work yeah. yeah. so, yeah. so we are a little realistic about what we can uh-huh. do over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that said, I think that is the next level. And at some point, it is going to happen with all the digital health focus that's mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. So, 
what are like your you know wild ambitions about are you health stuff that you want to see it achieve maybe in a 10 year span like you know what's what's the long term vision so see i i think there are there are two things over there right one is mm-hmm. if you look at apollo right that's yeah. I, i think that's the that's the company i get really inspired by within yes. healthcare right like apollo spent probably a few decades Mm. Building mm. the brand that stood for high quality healthcare—that is all that mm. they did. They, mm. they were running high quality hospitals, great mm. outcomes. They were the pioneers. Every new technology will come to Apollo mm. for the first time. Mm. And now they've got to a point where Apollo, as a name, is synonymous with trust in healthcare. Mm. Now when they do clinics, which are mm. a pure franchise, or diagnostics, mm. or mm. even an insurance plan, mm. yeah, a pharmacy. Mm. Uh, now they have the Apollo twenty-four-seven app. It's all something mm. that. the patient trusts that's one bit of where we want to be right like we want idni we want ayu health to become a name that's in that league where you know i the name stands for trust which is why mm-hmm. we don't focus on we, we don't mean never say we are the most affordable option or you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. It, the focus is just that we are the most trusted healthcare platform that you should go to and then eventually once mm-hmm. i have that trust then i can do a bunch of other things leveraging that trust obviously i have to continue to maintain that trust but it's a lot easier mm-hmm. versus say uh someone who stands for affordability trying to do that right yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's always a bit of a challenge for people to come from that side and do the other uh, yeah. and the other bit is and which is the wild ambition right yeah. eventually our vision of iu health is that this becomes not just a, a hospital network it becomes yeah. a you know the all encompassing healthcare plan that you go for so the way i see yeah. it is a patient should subscribe to an iu health plan right mm. that includes a certain cover on inpatient on mm. uh, on consultations on diagnostics mm. on pharmacy mm. and i just mm. have this 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 trust on my events whatever i need i'll go to an iu health hospital and i'll be taken care of amazing so you would want to go asset light in all of these or would you want to for example acquire a e pharmacy acquire a diagnostics company and uh, you know build out all parts of this full stack Yeah. Health so see again, I, I I don't know yet. Hmm. I think I'll tell you the approach that we will be driven by is we will do what's scalable, hmm. but at the same point, like the primary driver will be what allows us to retain this trust. Yeah, because something like diagnostics, you could just do like what Healthians does, you know, where uh, you have like an aggregator, aggregating labs, and uh, yeah. Know, so. hmm. No, I think that's the. That's one approach, right? The other is what see someone like an Orange Health is taking, where they think we own everything, but we'll give you a very fast service. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, my sense is, and again, I might be wrong here, but my sense is that the main thing in that space is also building some comfort with the quality of the test. I have spoken to a lot of patients who mm-hmm. don't trust a lot of these newer platforms because mm-hmm. they are saying, "I don't know mm-hmm. the test will be accurate." Now, actually, I have no, yeah. I, I don't understand this, mm-hmm. so I don't know if. getting that mm-hmm. test accurate is a big deal or not but it it is the big deal in the minds of the patients right so when a pharmacy by the thyrocare mm-hmm. you can see the rationale behind it because the pharmacy doesn't carry that trust but the thyrocare does mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right okay interesting so your uh, immediate competitor is pristine care what is the difference between the two of you i, I, I would say they are not a immediate competitor they are actually a very very different business so first of all okay. uh the overlap on the kind of surgeries we do is hardly 10% they are exclusively focused on daycare oh right? okay. so their focus is uh procedures like kidney stones hernia pines fistula mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. which are all sub 50k procedures 
very commoditized you know people are usually shopping for the best price uh, okay and that's that's okay. 10% of what we do our okay. focus is more tertiary care uh, or medical management right so for us cardiology is the largest category okay. icu admissions is very large things mm-hmm. like dengue or covid uh, when it was around was large mm-hmm. so in terms of demand we are not going after the same sort of patients in most cases mm-hmm. and in terms of supply also our our models are very different pristine's model is that they will have their own doctor seeing the mm-hmm. patient in a clinic that pristine runs and they will then take the patient to a hospital mm-hmm. where the hospital has spare capacity and mm-hmm. you know they get paid something to use that capacity our model is that we will go and partner with that hospital and mm-hmm. we are we are mm-hmm. then as strategically more important partner because I'm not saying that I'm going to take 80% and give you 20. Mm-hmm. You know, I am actually the other way around, right? So, right. Right. Um, right. for the hospital, mm-hmm. we are the the way to re- to improve their business. And then the way we are positioned to the patients also is that we are a hospital chain or a hospital network. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. very different business in that sense. And then a lot mm-hmm. of our revenue right. now comes from a bunch of these value-added services where we will enable insurance processing for our hospital. We'll enable mm-hmm. them to buy drugs in a better fashion. Uh, we'll enable them mm-hmm. to lend to their patients, which might not mm-hmm. even be brought by us. Right? These are patients who go mm-hmm. into the hospital, mm-hmm. but they need financing. Uh, mm-hmm. That is now about thirty-one percent of our revenue, and it'll continue to grow. So someone like a Apollo Fortis, yeah, Apollo Fortis, and maybe like if you take a step below, right? Because that's mm-hmm. again a very premium audience. We also probably mm-hmm. won't serve that mm-hmm. today, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. our audience is then going to a Spurge, mm-hmm. right? Or they are going into a, a hospital that's. Has say two branches in Bangalore and Delhi. Mm-hmm. So those are our large competitors on the demand side. Okay. Uh, on the supply side, uh, the competition is more say the traditional franchises or uh, mm-hmm. there is this O and M model in healthcare where you would have someone come in and run the hospital for you. Okay. Whereas what we are saying is that you continue to run it, but we make it very yeah. easy for you. We we'll give you the operating system yeah. that you can run the hospital on with minimum headache. This O and M model is what say like a Fortis does, right? I've seen a lot of. Yeah, yeah. Some of the large chains do it. Hotels, hospitals. Yes. So they will right. take on the hospital. They will. It's like mm. a Marriott, right? Like mm. someone else owns yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. the hotel, but then Marriott comes mm. in and runs it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Uh, lending is interesting. Uh, you you have like a fintech product now, where you have NBFCs who are lending out, and you help in underwriting and all of that. Or like, how, how does lending work for you? Yeah. So today we don't uh, underwrite ourselves. We will work with fintech partners. who will do the underwriting we sort of are the bridge between the hospital and the and the lenders and then in okay. some cases uh we will do part of the underwriting because say we might be processing that insurance and we know mm. what the amount is uh, okay. that is likely to be mm. uh, to be accepted by the insurers no 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 okay. eventually we might want to become a lender ourselves and that's uh, that's the plan somewhere down the line So you're working with NBFCs or with fintechs who further are have their own network of NBFCs who Right now, with fintechs. Okay, okay, got it. Because NBFCs won't most NBFCs won't directly lend to to patients mm-hmm. unless they are very credit worthy. In which case, they anyways mm-hmm. get a loan on their credit card or through the yeah, yeah, so, yeah, true. Uh, true. The profile that needs lending is the one that is today catered to by mm-hmm. by fintechs. Or right. we will have to then come in and do uh, put in our own uh, underwriting and and mm-hmm. do that job of mm-hmm. a fintech. Uh, mm-hmm. But there is a regulatory angle to it which we have not yet explored. So we are not technically mm-hmm. an authorized fintech. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we okay. do need someone else to come and do that for us. Okay, 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 got it. So you you have like a procurement portal for hospitals where they can order their regular supplies, like in a way, yeah, like a like that's like a yeah, Moglex. So today is not technically, kind of a, yeah, that's part that's, of the that's vision. Like, okay, that's part of the vision. So the vision is that 
uh, we are not a platform, right? We are yeah. essentially the buyer representing the hospital. Like if you look at all of these large chains, they have these centralized buying units mm. called yeah. CBUs. Yeah. So an Apollo mm. will have a CBU that will go and negotiate, uh, mm. but at least the eighty percent of drugs for each hospital in their network, yeah. and the tail is managed yeah, yeah. locally, mm-hmm. right? So mm. what they do is they'll go to the brand and say, "Look, I'm going to buy this amount of this drug. What is the best price that you can give me?" And today the problem for a small hospital is that they can't charge as much to the patient as an Apollo and the mm. cost of consumable mm. cost of drugs is actually 30-40% higher than the large thing. So they're yeah. getting, yeah. Uh, it's a double whammy for them. Mm. We're saying we'll go and resolve that. So we will not become a distributor ourselves, mm-hmm. uh, which mm. is say what a pharmacy or at least pharmacy's parent entity or an Acnamed mm. or you know some of these guys will be. Uh, so mm. we would rather align a price directly with the brand or a large distributor and we will get you access to good quality of uh, of service through a good distributor mm. and good prices through our direct relationship with the brands. That's the, okay. that's okay. the model over there. Okay, so hospitals on your network can log in and place their orders and those orders are directly fulfilled by the manufacturer or the suppliers. Yeah, suppliers, uh, we approve suppliers of the manufacturers. Right, right, right. And those prices are negotiated by you, so hospitals are getting access yeah, to it. So it will be, it'll always be a better price than what the hospital gets on their own. Yeah, 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 because of collective buying happening here. Collective buying. Oh, okay. okay, okay, very interesting. Okay. So, uh, you know, do you see yourself raising more funds in the like next two, three years, or uh, what is your path to profitability like? So, as I said, we will be profitable in our core markets. Uh, uh, very mm. soon, Chandigarh is already there. Uh, we mm. will be profitable in Bangalore middle of this year. Mm. Uh, mm. We should ideally get close to profitability in in some of the other markets also very soon. So we are not looking to raise right now, but we will mostly want to raise say by the end of this year because mm. I think that will be a good time for us to a launch more cities. Today we are very mm. razor focused on doing more within the existing markets. So we will want mm. to launch more cities, which will require some capital. And then okay. we'll also want to start building upon some of our other products, right? So I talk yeah. about insurance processing, procurement. Yeah. A lot yeah. of these are fairly large independent businesses in their own right, and they require yeah. that yeah. sort of an effort. Today, we are yeah. sort of cobbling them together. So you talked yeah. about procurement portal and all. It's not really a portal today, right? It's yeah. yeah. saying, okay, yeah. we'll manage it. Yeah. Like okay. How you typically hack it as, a, as an early right. startup. So right. these are all right. very early stage businesses. In, mm. Among what is probably like a mid-stage business. Mm. Uh, mm. But... Mm. At some point, we want to start giving them a lot more ammunition. Uh, mm-hmm. And and some of these will serve not just our network. For example, on insurance mm-hmm. processing, we serve even outside mm-hmm. of our network as well. How do you monetize so insurance processing? Wait, the hospital pays or? The hospital pays. So there again, okay. the, the problem for the hospital is that the insurance desk is not always very well run. Mm-hmm. So they will have, they will not get paid on time by the insurers and they will also have, they will not get paid in full. It could be a 5, 10, 15% disalliance. So what yeah. we're telling them is that instead of filing the claim directly with the insurer, you file it on our system. We will have the ability to process the claim in a manner where you are getting paid faster. So mm-hmm. you know, initially it was uh, manual intelligence. Now we are sort of prioritizing mm-hmm. some of it that you can make sure case, the, then this is an amended the things are crossed, basically. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then we also then want to go and talk to insurers and and do something similar to what we're doing on in, in procurement, right? Where we tell the insurers that, look, we're giving you these hospitals. We're going to ensure that there is minimal abuse, there's minimal fraud. But mm. in exchange, you give some preferential terms to these hospitals. You treat them like you would treat uh, a larger hospital where you don't worry about things like fraud. I mean, preferential term, what does that uh, translate into? Like, 
quicker payback. That will translate into better prices. It'll translate into faster payouts. Okay. It'll translate into lesser queries. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like for example, how an insurer will work with a whole or a money pal is that the default is that the claim is legit. Mm-hmm. The exception mm-hmm. is that there is some abuse. Mm-hmm. If the smaller hotel is the other way around. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. that also happens because there is also a lot of fraud that generally happens in small hospitals. Mm-hmm. What we are trying to tell the, the insurers is that we are putting in that layer. We will check for all of those things. Right? Maybe mm-hmm. we will underwrite that risk. But mm-hmm. then you treat them like you would treat an Apollo. You ensure mm-hmm. you get paid, pay them quickly. Then you can choose mm-hmm. to audit five out of the 100 cases. And if mm-hmm. you find any discrepancy, we'll come back and mm-hmm. we will resolve. Or mm-hmm. we will bear the risk on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amazing. Amazing. Is there something I should have asked you? Uh, no, actually, I think we covered pretty much everything. It's been a good chat. And that brings us to the end of this conversation. I want to ask you for a favor now. Did you like listening to this show? I'd love to hear your feedback about it. Do you have your own startup ideas? I'd love to hear them. Do you have questions for any of the guests that you heard about in this show? I'd love to get your questions and pass them on to the guests. Write to me at ad at the podium.in. That's ad at t-h-e-p-o-d-i-u-m dot in.